Hello, welcome to the very first episode of Adventures in Autism. I'm Megan Garanza, and this is my very first time doing a podcast, so forgive me if I sound like an amateur, because I am. Um, but I'm very excited to be starting this. It's an idea that I have had for a while now, and I made it my mission to start this podcast by the end of the year. And here we go! So I wanted Adventures in Autism to be a safe place for families, parents, friends, even um, experts in the field to come together to talk about autism. It is a very diverse topic. There's lots to be said. I myself am an autism mom. My son Logan will be six in December. He's five and a half and he was diagnosed with autism a couple years ago and ever since then I have really made it my mission to advocate for autism and kind of spread awareness. And one thing that I have come across that has been difficult for for myself and I think for other parents uh, with children with autism is just finding the right support. There's lots of online communities and blogs and um, groups on Facebook and whatnot, and they're great and there's a place for that. But personally, I really love listening to podcasts and I like the um, just the depth that you get from listening to someone's story as opposed to just reading it. So I felt like it would be a really cool thing to to come together, like I said, with like other families and be able to just kind of speak about the the day to day, the the journey that we all go through in this. And today for the first episode, this probably sounds a little rambly, which it will, but I thought I would just kind of give a little backstory on our family's journey with autism so far. So this is me, just me today. Um, but I am definitely looking for people to be on the podcast who would like to speak about their experiences with autism. Um, whether you're a mom or a dad, a brother or a sister, or an aunt or an uncle, a grandma. Uh, because we all have different uh, feelings and different perspectives on the situation. Uh, so, like I said, um, I guess I'll kind of start at the beginning. Um, Logan was born on 12-12-12, so we knew right away that he was special. Um, obviously, that's taken on a whole new meaning now, but he was perfect when he was born. I can't even explain how perfect he was. He was just um, this surprise to me in that... I knew I would love my baby, but I couldn't believe how, how hard I fell in love with him. And he just, he, he made me a new person. He made me into a better person. Um, and that first year with him was like complete bliss. It was honestly just perfect. Every day felt like Christmas. Like I just loved waking up to him and seeing him smile and 
He was such a good baby. He slept so well. He was so happy. He was always smiling. He honestly rarely cried, which is so interesting now because I, I do hear a lot of stories from people who their children with autism uh, were the opposite <laughs> kind of from the start. But that was not our experience with Logan at all. Um, but it was around that one year mark that my alarm bells kind of started to go up and I couldn't honestly really pinpoint it because he really had met all of his milestones up until then. Like physically, you know, he rolled over and he was supposed to, he crawled and he was supposed to, he walked and he was supposed to, there was, there was nothing major happening. The only thing I would say that was a concern to us was his speech. And obviously at a year old, kids are not speaking, really. I mean, they may have a few words. Um, but I could just see that, A, he was not speaking, and B, I, I use this phrase a lot, I felt like I didn't see his wheels turning. I say that all the time when I'm talking with therapists. I'll say, I feel like I can see his wheels turning, or... If we're talking about it, you know, different exercise, I'm like, I, the wheels are not turning. And that's kind of funny because, uh, another very common thing with kids with autism is, you know, when they're playing with cars, instead of like rolling a car on the floor, how you see a lot of kids do, they will oftentimes flip the car over and, and use their finger to kind of spin the wheels, which Logan did do that a lot. Um, so it's funny how that's, that's kind of my, my phrase with him. Um, but I, like I said, I just... I didn't see the, the, the wheels turning in his head sometimes. Sometimes I did, but it was, it was definitely, it was something that concerned me. And I remember bringing it up to his pediatrician, um, and they would have me fill out, you know, the, the forms at every appointment, like basically is, you know, is your child doing A, B, C, D, go down the list of things. And he honestly always was. And the pediatrician was never overly concerned, and she felt like, his speech was maybe a little behind, but, you know, you always hear boys are slower to talk, and nothing was ever a major red flag to her. Uh, so I tried to kind of, you know, squish down my my concerns, but your that mom's intuition is so strong, and it is usually right, <laughs> and in my case it was. Um around 18 months, actually it was at 18 months, when I, I brought him to his 18-month checkup, I remember I just burst into tears and I told the pediatrician, it's, something is just not right. I know that he's he's not that far behind, but I'm like, I, I just can't shake this feeling that, you know, there there's something up. And she was like, okay, let's get him evaluated. So we went ahead and did the evaluation with early intervention. We live in Illinois. We live in uh, the suburbs of Chicago. So uh, in Illinois, and I think in most states, there is a uh, basic, not, I mean, not, it's not completely free, but it's, you know, a low-cost program for children who need it uh, to get therapy uh, in home. And we went ahead and did the evaluation with early intervention through the state. They came to the house and they they worked with Logan. It was a, a speech therapist, and I think that day it was a developmental um, therapist also. And they both kind of observed him and asked me questions, and 
afterward, we kind of went over the findings. So at that point, you have to have a 30% delay to qualify for services. Again, that's in Illinois. I don't know what, what it's like in all states, but maybe somewhere around there. So at that point, Logan had a 33% speech delay and the developmental was not even that much. Um, but it was enough for them to say, okay, yeah, he qualifies for speech services, which was great. I was really happy to, to get him into speech. At that point, I really wasn't sure what we were dealing with. I was really hoping that it was just a speech issue. Um, but I, I wasn't sure to be honest with you. So we decided to go ahead and start with, with the speech therapy. Um, we did end up doing, uh, an OT evaluation and we decided to add in OT as well. So he would occupational therapy for anyone who's not familiar. So we, we would do uh, speech one day a week and OT one day a week all in home. And while it was, it was great. I think that Logan enjoyed it. He's always been very easygoing and I think he had fun because it was, you know, mostly just playing and a, a lot of things he took to very quickly and made, made a little bit of progress. Uh, but we, we did that from but the time before he even turned two until age three. So a little over a year. And as far as his speech, we really did not see much improvement, if any. He would say these words during therapy. We were able to pull words out of him, which was really exciting, obviously. But when it came time, you know, for the therapist to leave and then to incorporate those words into his everyday routine, it just wasn't happening. So in our state, again, we um, early intervention goes until age three. And then at age three, they age out of early intervention and you are able to enroll into the school district for their early childhood program. So basically it's just preschool through the school district and he was able to receive these same services now in school, in preschool. Um, it was a tough transition <laughs> getting him, getting him to preschool. Mostly I think for me, the first week was, was tough on both of us, but then he, he loved school. He was adapted really quickly and he just really enjoyed going. The routine was really good for him. He was still really young. Obviously this time he had just turned three when he started school. I was also very pregnant with my second, my second child at that point. So I think my, my hormones were also affecting it. Cause I was just, I was, I sobbed every day that first week. Um, so there were, yeah, there was a lot of changes happening for our family at that point. Cause Logan was starting school. We were about to have our second child. We had a little girl named Liliana. Um, and she was born in March of 2016 and Logan he did really well with her and the fact that he didn't have any kind of outbursts, he wasn't aggressive towards her, but he really just didn't even pay attention to her. He didn't seem to even really notice her. Um, and like I said, after the year of therapy and then having him in school, it, it just seemed like things were not progressing. They were either at a standstill or they were kind of regressing. And, I will never forget, I went to um, an end of the year kind of parent-teacher conference 
with Logan's preschool teacher. And he had started halfway through the year because his birthday is in December. So at that point, you know, they hadn't even had him for that long. Um, but I, I was surprised because the speech therapist was there as well. And he wasn't supposed to be there. It was a male speech therapist at the school. But he was like, oh, he's like, I'm just going to come along and, and sit in on this. And I didn't have the best experience with him because there was a time when I had come to the school to observe one of their sessions. And I just felt like he wasn't very good at engaging with Logan. And there were things that he was working working with him on that Logan was like, just checked out. He was not doing it. And the speech therapist didn't even realize like what his ability was at that point because he was not, he, like I said, Logan was just completely checked out, which I mean, like that's not completely the therapist's fault, but to me, it's like, you should be, you know, figuring out at least a baseline of where, where the child might be at. Cause then there were exercises that he was doing with him that I was like, can I try that with him? And then like, he did it no problem. So, um, so that was, that was my main experience with him. Like I said, it wasn't necessarily great. So when I saw that he was in the meeting, I didn't think too much of it. Um, and we kind of went over, you know, a few different things that Logan was doing at that point. And his teacher had really positive things to say about him. He's always been, uh, and I know I'm his mother, but <laughs> a very good boy. He's just incredibly sweet and caring and loving and he's not super social in the fact that he's not necessarily going to go up to another kid and want to like initiate play with them but he is never going to act out or be aggressive towards another another child he's has absolutely no problem sharing he's one to kind of give up the toy if if there's any sort of fight over it um so his teacher like I said she had really great things to say about him academically he was not necessarily where he should be but he was interested in trying at least a little bit at that point but the speech therapist kind of asked me some different questions about how Logan played at home and just sort of where he was at and kind of matter of factly just said to me has anyone ever asked you if he had autism and he said it just like that or maybe even more harsh than that and I just remember my face just went white like I could feel I could feel it go away I felt the blood rush from my my head to my feet I I just felt like somebody had called me out on my deepest darkest secret that my son might have autism because that was something that I had been thinking for quite a while at that point but I had really never said out loud or if I did it was to one of Logan's therapists and it was not something that I had been like called out on um, and I immediately just, you know, burst into tears. <laughs> Again, I was only a couple months postpartum at this point also. Um, but I just, I felt like his delivery was not, not correct. But I also felt like, okay, I'm not the only one seeing this. And it was a very emotional day because I knew that I was going to have to talk to my husband about it. And I, I didn't know even where my husband's name was Manny. I didn't even know where Manny was feeling about these, these feelings. Um, we obviously, we knew that Logan wasn't speaking, but we, we hadn't really discussed something as serious as, as autism at that point. So I remember talking about it with him and we were both still kind of figuring out how we felt about that. And I don't think it was right away. It took us maybe a couple days, um, to kind of say, 
yeah, we, we do think that he has autism. And it was really interesting because I remember thinking, oh my gosh, Manny is going to be just devastated when he finds out that, you know, Logan might have autism. Because I was thinking that he, that this wasn't even on his radar. And little did I know, he was basically thinking the same thing that, oh my gosh, Megan is going to be devastated when she figures this out. Because we were thinking these things and we, we were too scared to say it to each other. And that's exactly what it was. Is I, I was not in denial about the situation. I was just really scared of it. I was really scared of what an actual diagnosis was going to mean. So, um, at that point, Logan was, you know, about three and a half and we decided that we, we did want to move forward with taking him to, um, a developmental pediatrician for the diagnosis. I know there's different ways that kids are diagnosed now. Um, I don't know exactly what those are, but I have heard there's like school, like school can sometimes do testing in that kind of way. We just took the advice of our pediatrician and of Logan's therapist. And we took him to a specialist, a developmental pediatrician who basically has like a team that they, they will work with him. It's a long evaluation. It takes a few hours to, they can kind of come to a consensus of, the diagnosis. It's not just one doctor or one therapist that sees, that sees him. Um, unfortunately there's not that many developmental pediatricians even in the field and, um, they are, yeah, they're, they're difficult to come by and they're very difficult to get appointments with. So even once I, you know, got the cojones (laughs) to actually make the appointment, um, we were put on a wait list that was, I think at least, it was, it was maybe six to eight months at that point. Um, and it was really frustrating because I felt like at that point we had really grappled with this for a while. And then once we made the decision that we wanted to go ahead and, and take him, then it was like the wait just felt forever. Like I was just like, okay, let's just get the show on the road. Let's get the diagnosis so we can figure out what our next move will be. So, um, we actually moved that summer we went to, uh, we moved just a few minutes away, but it was a new school district that, uh, we were really excited about because we'd heard great things about how they were a better school district than the one that we had lived in. And we were hoping that, you know, for Logan, we would be able to just provide him a better education. Obviously that's, you know, the the number one thing we're concerned about. And he started the new school district. We were on the wait list and we ended up not taking him to that developmental pediatrician until March. It was March 16th, 2017. It is engraved in my brain. And we, we, we knew that it was what was coming. We absolutely knew what was coming. But after the evaluation, when the doctor actually told us that, you know, our son had autism we cried. <laughs> we, we cried in the office with her. We got in the car and we cried and I never want to paint like a, a negative picture of our, our life with Logan, especially because it's not negative. It's, it's honestly wonderful. But that first day that we got the diagnosis was an incredibly emotional, just draining day. I remember Manny saying to me, the night before that he felt like the next day was 
like he was like I just feel like a dead man walking basically because we knew we knew it was coming and at that point we just didn't know what it meant we just didn't know what it meant to have a child with autism we didn't know what going forward our lives were going to look like and we still don't know what that what our lives are going to look like going forward um in like the the far future you know I can tell you what's going to happen tomorrow maybe the next day but I I have to say one thing that I I realized in this process and I, I don't know if I realized it right before or right after but I realized that Logan was still Logan and even with a diagnosis of autism that didn't change the fact that he was still that perfect baby boy that was born on 12 12 12 that I fell in love with and I'm still in love with I'm trying not to cry I cry a lot so I'm sure I'll cry when at some point in this podcast or a lot of times but I I had to realize that he nothing about him was actually changing the only thing that was different was that now we had a name we had a label I'm using air quotes for what we were dealing with and like I said I spent that first day crying my eyes out and then I I woke up the next day and I just was like okay what are we gonna do and the the doctor had given us like a stack of paperwork that was all sorts of um informational like kind of pamphlets and books and resources and numbers to call and the first thing I did was I called the autism resource center that was you know affiliated with the hospital with the doctor that we had taken him to and they basically just told me what therapy would take our insurance and kind of where to go from there um and I I knew at that point that the the therapy that would be suggested for Logan and I think most kids with autism is ABA, uh, Applied Behavioral Analysis. That is, it's behavioral therapy. It's very intense in that they want you to be in therapy a lot. It's a lot of therapy. Um, and before the diagnosis, and even at that point, it's, it honestly, it really scared me because I felt like our lives were just going to be like completely overturned by therapy. And at this point, I mean, I still had like a very young, he was just had turned four a little, a couple months before. He was a four year old little boy. And I felt like so guilty that he was going to be, you know, going to school five days a week. Cause that was the program. It was five days a week of school. And then now starting therapy, however many days, hours a week, um, but I, I also knew in my heart that we had to do it. We had to at least try and see what happened. I had talked to a few different autism parents at that point who had said, yeah, we tried ABA. It didn't work for us. But I had talked to others who said, it's great. It helped our child so much. And I just felt like it was going to be the right path for us. So again, I started on the, uh, the long waiting process of, of getting him into therapy, um, we, I basically just kind of did my research on different companies and, like I said, who would take our insurance. And that was a long process also. There's lots of evaluations within uh, that company and home visits and 
just waiting. <laughs> it was just, a, again, a very long process. Um, so he got the diagnosis in March. I, I really think it was like the next day I had called to get the, the, that, that whole process started. And he didn't end up starting therapy until right before he started school for like his second full year of preschool. So it wasn't until September that he was able to start therapy. And that was a difficult summer. He had broken his elbow, which was pretty rough. Um, he just had a hard time. I had a hard time dealing with him being home all the time, not having school because I think that structure was really good for him. And I mean, it's just, you know, I think any mom with, with young kids will tell you it's hard. And then, you know, you throw autism into it, it gets a little bit harder. And especially because, you know, I had two kids at that point. So it was a lot to juggle. Um, so once, once Logan started therapy, though, I wouldn't say we saw an immediate change in him, but we definitely... What was great for me was that it was, again, in-home therapy. We ended up doing, deciding to do six days a week. So he does three hours a day, six days a week. He still does that now. And it was really kind of nice for me to to have a little bit of a break because <laughs> he was occupied doing therapy. Um, and we were lucky that we have um extra bedroom in our house that we were able to kind of make into the therapy room. So it wasn't like we were all on top of each other. We had a little bit of space. I actually had just found out I was pregnant with our third child at that point also. So I was pregnant and not feeling great. And it was he immediately took the therapist. He really seemed to like them. We really liked them. Um, so it, it felt like a good, it felt like a good fit. It felt like we were, we kind of meshed with them and I could see that, you know, things, things are working. Um, and that was basically all of last year was hit. He was in, in school. He did a half a day of preschool, five days a week, and then he would come home and he would do another three hours of therapy. And for a while, I felt like we were kind of coasting and we would see some improvements, but nothing huge. It wasn't until like the end of the school year that we, we really did start to see some amazing improvements in him, in his speech, but also just in how I say the wheels were turning, like the wheels were turning. We really could see the wheels turning and not just with things in therapy. Like a lot of times they would say, Oh, you know, he did this exercise so great today. But that's not necessarily something that translates so well to, you know, our lives, like his everyday life, which obviously we want him to do well in therapy, but we want him to be able to bring all those skills into the the real world, quote unquote, at least his world. And I remember um, one of the first things that really blew me away was they were working with him on being able to point out his body parts and pointing out, you know, his eyes, his ears, his mouth. And that is something that we had been working on with him since he started therapy when he turned two. And it was never something he really could do. And all of a sudden he, you could say, Logan, where's your eyes? And he would immediately point to his eyes and he could even say eyes. And again, that was such huge progress to be working on this for so long and for it to just kind of like click one day, like the light bulb went off. 
that was huge. Um, and then also they, they had been working on with him to clap his hands since we had started ABA therapy. And he could, he could absolutely clap his hands. Like he loves going to, to baseball games and hockey games. And when we were there, he would cheer and clap his hands, but just like on command to ask him, you know, Logan, clap your hands. Again, when the wheels aren't turning that you, you can ask someone to clap their hands and you're not going to get it. But for, at this point, like I said, the lights were on, the wheels were turning and you could say, okay, clap your hands or you could model it and he would do it. And these were like little things that just gave me so much hope because I could see that we were making some sort of progress. Uh, he also started saying some words. He was able to identify certain, you know, pictures in books or, or letters. And we had heard words from him off and on throughout the years, but it was just never consistent. Like we knew he could say bubbles. He loves bubbles, obviously. What kid doesn't? And we, we'd heard him say it starting from the time that he did speech therapy back when he was two years old. But it was like, you know, if we did bubbles 10 times, we maybe would hear him say the word bubbles like three of those times. And it was just so random. But now it was like we could show him bubbles or we could say to him like, Logan bubbles. And he would say it back to us. He was able to repeat it to us. Again, huge progress. <laughs> it was amazing. And at first it was just a few words, but it became more and more. And another really big thing was when he was able to really say hi and bye to people, you know, that were coming and going. Um, and again, consistently being able to say hi if someone came over or we went somewhere and saying bye or bye-bye. I Those were things that just kind of blew my mind because I, I couldn't believe that we were finally starting to get somewhere. Um, these are all little things but they add up and they mean so much I any parent with autism any parent dealing with autism will tell you that the the milestones and the progress it's it really is like Christmas when they are able to achieve a new skill because those skills are fought for so hard and you're able to just appreciate them so much our our two-year-old daughter Liliana is completely neurotypical she is um a real spitfire, <laughs> but she, she's definitely, definitely, I, I mean, I don't even really know what a, a normal child is at this point, to be honest with you, because I've, I've had two that were completely opposite. Uh, but to us, we think she's like brilliant because she, she speaks in sentences and she like makes connections to things that really are hard to believe sometimes. Um, and it's just so interesting to have have kids on both ends of the spectrum because obviously I'm so happy when she does anything new and I'm so proud of her but it's just a very different feeling with Logan because I just know how hard he works he works so hard I mean he now just this past month he started kindergarten so now he's going to school you know full day five days a week and then he comes home and he still does the three hours of therapy and then he does three hours on Saturday. So his only day off of, of therapy and school is Sunday. And he he works so hard and he does it with a smile on his face. He's honestly, he's he's such a happy guy. And he's so sweet and loving. 
and I, I mean, I couldn't be more proud of him, honestly. I, there's not words to describe how proud of him I am. Um, and that's kind of where we are now. That kind of brings me to where we are now, which is, like I said, he, he just started uh, kindergarten, and so far, so good. It's definitely been a bit of a change. He's at a new school, uh, a new, you know, teacher, new classmates. We actually, he's actually in a new district, which this is going to be kind of confusing, but our district is very small. So it's a co-op that they combine a couple other nearby districts so that they have a full kind of classroom for the special education kids, because otherwise there's only like a, kind of a couple from each school. So he's, um, it's a bit of a hike. It's about 30 minutes from where we live. Um, he takes the bus, which is great. He loves the bus. And um, that transition was a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be just because I felt like, well, he's already been at an elementary school, even though it was, you know, just preschool. You know, I thought the only kind of transition would be the fact that it's a little bit longer of a day. But obviously, like I said, being at a whole new school, new teachers, new kids, it, it the first week was a little rough. Not even for him. I mean, I think he, it was a little bit difficult, but he handles those kind of changes really well. Thankfully, we're very lucky. Um, but I felt horrible. I felt so guilty and I just missed him so much with him being gone all day. His teacher w was kind of updating me and letting me know what was going on. And I just, I, I know it's good for him to have, you know, to kind of change things up but I just wanted it to be like as close as possible to the way it was last year because he did so well we had gotten so lucky the last couple of years with teachers that like really really cared about him and you know just starting new it's scary and it's hard and um now we're a few weeks into the school year but actually probably about a month now and I I think we're doing really great um just last week they sent a note home and Logan said, I got it <laughs> when he was at school. I guess they handed him his cup and he said, I got it. And for him to, for him to say any words, honestly, to me is amazing. For him to put two words together is amazing. But for him to like say a sentence like that was, I mean, I, I immediately teared up when I saw that on, on his note home. I just, I couldn't, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of how far he's come. And we still have a ways to go. I would still, I hate to say that he's nonverbal at this point because he does have a lot of words. He has probably like 20 words that he can say consistently, which is huge for us. Um, and I feel like we're in such a good place right now that we're just going to keep adding to that list, which is very exciting. Um, but he's not conversational. He's not you know, at the point where you can just ask him a question and he can respond to it. So we shall see. I know we'll get there. Um, I think that is probably for me, the, the hardest part in the whole journey is just not knowing where we're going to end up, how we're going to get there, how long it's going to take, what it's going to look like. That's all like, just kind of like the scary black hole of the abyss where it's just like you just don't know and you can make yourself truly insane trying to to figure that out and it doesn't matter it, you're you're just never gonna know that's just you've got to leave that up to the powers that be and just hope and pray that 
you're going to get there. And I know we will. I feel like that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned so far is that hope is so powerful. I remember that summer I was talking about that was really hard when Logan had broken his arm and we were, we were just home and the days were long and it was, it was difficult. We were having, you know, a hard time. And I remember feeling like I was just overwhelmed, obviously, but like I was, I was starting to lose a little bit of hope and I was starting to feel like this was just how our life was going to be. It was just going to be really hard. And I felt really exhausted by that thought that this was just where we were going to live. And I remember feeling disappointed in myself for losing hope because I, I never want to lose hope for Logan. And I had just kind of been worn down to the point where I was kind of starting to lose hope. And then he did something. I don't even remember specifically what it was. Oh, I was crying. And he came up to me and he just gave me a hug. And he looked into my eyes and smiled at me, which he does all the time. And he's very loving and affectionate. He's always giving me a hug. But I remember, like, literally sitting on the stairs crying. <laughs> and he walked over and he gave me a hug. And I, I, I knew that, that was his way of saying, you know, Mom, it's going to be okay. Um, and my, my hope was just a little bit restored in that moment. And then, like I said, we started therapy and my hope, my, if my hope is like a, a jar, it's very full at this point. <laughs> the jar is filled up there, you know, sometimes it dwindles a little bit, but the jar is filled up. But I think that when you have hope, you can achieve so much and you can get up every day and fight that fight. And if you let that hope die or let it start to die, that is when things become really hard and when things seem impossible. And I just try to remind myself on the hard days or every day <laughs> that, you know, everything, everything is going to, going to work out the way it's supposed to. And I hope that this wasn't too rambly. I know it was though, but this is kind of what I want to talk about on this podcast is just our experiences with autism and kind of where we started, where we are now, where we're, we're going. And I think it's just so important to have that support from your community, whether it's your family and your friends or, you know, the people around you. But I think that people that deal with autism just obviously understand it in a way that people who don't deal with it just really can't. Um, I have wonderful friends and family and they are very supportive and loving, but it's hard for them to relate or at least it's hard. I feel like it's hard for them to relate because I mean, you just, you don't know what you don't know. So whenever I connect with another autism mom or parent, I just, there's immediately that, that kind of shorthand that you have with that person that you just feel like, okay, you get it. Like, I don't have to like overly explain things. Uh, and we all do things differently. And I think that's what's so interesting too, because I mean, every child with autism or adult or person with autism is so different. And I, I can't stress that enough. I feel like I hear that all the time. Like, Oh, my, my neighbor has autism or my, I know someone who has a kid with autism. And I mean, 
you know, we all have insights into things and I'm, I'm not like, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but there's that quote that's like, you know, if you know one person with autism, then you know one person <laughs> with autism. I mean, it's just like with anyone. People are so different and we all tick in a different way. People with autism are also very different. <laughs> there's obviously similarities, you know, and different things that are kind of a pattern with with kids and people with autism. Um, but they're they're everyone's so different and different things work for different people um so it's kind of a discussion that I would like to have too just talking about you know what what might work for some and maybe what didn't work and just sort of that path that you're taking what what got you to that place um and I can elaborate more on that you know in the coming weeks and months and hopefully years but I always say I'm I'm looking for support not sympathy because I hate it when someone says to me, I say like, oh, you know, my son has autism and they say, oh, I'm so sorry. And I don't know if that's just me being, you know, sensitive or I don't know, but I just feel like, well, you know, it's nothing to be sorry about. He is like the best thing that ever happened to me with my other two children also (laughs) included in that as well. But it's it's not something to be sorry for. It's really not. And when I get that look of, you know, pity, um, it grinds my gears and I don't like it. And I there's just such a difference between supporting someone and being there for them and listening to them and, you know, holding that space for them than feeling sorry for them. And I, I never... I never want anyone to feel sorry for us because we are so blessed. We have been so, so blessed with Logan and our life with him and with our other kids. I mean, Manny and I are just, we, I mean, I, I can't even put into words, honestly, because they mean so much to me and each of them has a different piece of my heart, but obviously Logan is a little more special in some ways. And, um, that's something I I will definitely go into in the future. It's just talking about the sort of mom guilt of having a, a special needs child and then having other children and how you juggle that and what that looks like. Cause that's hard. But like I said, I, I never want anyone to feel sorry for us because there's nothing to feel sorry for. We, we love him and he has, made each of us a better person. I know that for a fact. And he has shown me things that I never would have learned if it weren't for him. And I'm grateful. I'm that's, that's all I am is grateful. So I hope you enjoyed listening to my very first podcast. I decided to call this adventures in autism because I still want this to feel kind of lighthearted. I, I think that autism can feel kind of heavy and it is heavy. It's, I mean, it's real, but I, it's, it's also just our life and it's our, our version of normal and we have fun and we laugh and it, it is an adventure every day. And I didn't want, I, and I don't want this to be like a, a woe is me kind of thing. Like I said, I don't want to focus on the, the, the negative or the, I don't want that, that sympathy. I just, I want it to be about talking about 
our kids and our lives and what that means for each of us. So that's a little bit of my adventures. Um, if you are connected to someone with autism, if you yourself have a child with autism, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you on this podcast. Um, or if you know somebody that would be good for the podcast, let me know for sure. And yeah, thank you so much for listening and hopefully I'll, you'll listen again soon. Thanks guys. Take care.